Hello, hello. I know it has been a while since I've done a podcast episode and, you know, I will share more about my health and all the things. Um, This episode is all about my experience with ayahuasca. I'll also touch on my experience with combo. So not really going to do much of an intro. I'm just going to kind of dive in. Um, First thing though, I do want to put a disclaimer, which is that you know, ayahuasca is a really powerful and potent substance. It's a plant medicine. And I did a lot of due diligence beforehand. I consulted with my health practitioner and uh, the shaman to make sure I was fit to do it and ensure there'd be really good set and setting. And I just want to put that out there. Um, it doesn't seem like ayahuasca is in the category of like drugs, like MDMA or cocaine or any of that. Like you don't do ayahuasca to have fun. I mean, it's not I wouldn't use fun to describe it, but I do want to just um, put that out there before we begin of, you know, talking about this um, plant medicine and, you know, even if you think about it, it's just like treating it with the utmost reverence and respect because it is powerful and, you know, it can have intense and I wouldn't use the word negative, but like, you know, it can bring up a lot of things and trauma. So Again, just if this is something that you do consider or hear about, just really use the utmost diligence and respect going about it. Okay, let's get into the intention and why I wanted to do this. So those of you who have been following my journey, it was October 17th, 2019, so about 13 months ago, where overnight my life changed and um, I thought I was just getting the flu, turned out to be Lyme disease and The six months after were the most painful of my entire life, um, just from the health itself, and then also um, kind of breaking up with a woman I was falling in love with, and then business that I poured my heart and soul to, having to split ways with my partner and the company that was my entire life revolved around. So there was a lot of pain, and, and pretty early on, I would say, I think it was like in maybe like one or two months after this whole thing started, I knew I wanted to do ayahuasca. Um, I had, I've had experience with other psychedelics and plant medicines, um, from psilocybin to peyote and others. And what happens for me when I do these, um, substances is it does give me a deeper insight into self. And, you know, I subscribe to the belief personally that all illness and, you know, physical dis-ease in the body, maybe not so much if like you break your leg, but like dis-ease in the body, Um, does stem from a place of kind of an emotional trauma. And I'll explain what I mean by that as we go into it because I did have a revelation about this. Um, So why I'm sharing that is I just felt like doing... um, The call to do ayahuasca has been with me now for like 10 months. And 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 to be honest, I think I knew I would do this even without the health stuff. I'm a curious person. Um, I'm on a path of self-discovery ever since I've been probably 17, 18. And so I would probably do it at one point in my life, but the calling was really strong because of all the pain and suffering I've been experiencing with my health. So I was at a crux point and here's, here's where the decision was made. Um, I was seeing this Lyme doc and he, he he had come recommended, um, although there was the disclaimer that he had awful bedside manners, but in my head, I was like, look, dude, I don't care if you're the biggest douchebag in the world. If you can heal me, like I'm down. Um, although the last time I saw him, I think it was like the end, of, or it was early October. It was like October 6th or 7th of this year, 2020. And I remember 
my dad went with me and I felt so frustrated because A, it felt like he didn't look at a bunch of my lab work that I'd sent him months before because I was starting to not do as well. Like he seemed really confident in the beginning. Um, and basically the long story short is I felt super conflicted and in this whole world of Lyme and like chronic dis-ease, there is literally not like one panacea. There's not one protocol that works for everyone. I mean, I've talked to people who've healed from antibiotics. I've talked to people who've healed from ozone therapy, from ketamine therapy. Like everyone has a different um, healing journey. So why I say this is I was at a point and I've done so many things over the last year. Um, I won't get into the details, but I'll just, you can understand if you know me. If you're new here, um, I have other things, but if, you're, if you've heard me before, you know I'm the type of guy who's going to try absolutely anything and everything. And I got to this place where I was like, I don't know what to do. And when you are not feeling well and you don't feel safe and in proper hands of a doctor who can help you, it is an awful feeling. So this was kind of the point where I'm like, well... I've tried the antibiotics, I've tried the herbs, I've done so many different things, maybe it's time to listen to myself now. And when I say that, it's because I've had the call to do ayahuasca and also this thing called combo, it's spelled K-A-M-B-O, and it's the excretion of a green frog toad from the Amazon that has been used for hundreds, probably thousands of years to be honest, in the indigenous tribes um, in the Amazon where they basically like burn uh, holes into your skin and then they apply this excretion and... There's, I think there's nine neuropeptides in the frog excretion. So they're like antiviral, antimicrobial, antifungal, antiparasitic. So my intention to do that was like, and there's no like psychedelic component to combo. Um, I wanted to do it to cleanse my body because I'd been on antibiotics for six, seven months, herbs, supplements for a year. I just wanted to prime myself for the ayahuasca. So I did that. I won't go into too much detail of that, although it was really intense um, and gnarly. Like I was... You know, she burned it into my skin. I did it with a shaman or um, a practitioner, I should say. It, combo is actually legal, by the way. And, you know, I was shitting and puking within probably like minutes. Um, I mean, I felt it within seconds. My heart was about to beat out of its chest. And she kindly told me before we started, hey, so like one in three people passes out. And I'm like, what? Um, but anyways, that was intense. I won't go too much into that because there wasn't so much of like a lesson for me other than... Um, a, like surrendering to the pain, which is a kind of a constant. But B, it was like, I did that to prime my body for the ayahuasca. So I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but let's get back to, and th this this blows my mind. I'm going to just take a quick sip of my coffee real quick. This absolutely blows my mind. So the day that I made the decision to do ayahuasca and combo and stop all the antibiotics, stop everything, and you have to understand like how, much fear there was for in me to do this because I'm going to this like Western doctor and following his stuff. And I grew up believing, right? The Western doctor has all the answers. And now I'm like deviating from that path. And so there's a part of me that's like, what if I'm going to put my healing behind me? What if this is like the wrong decision? It is scary to trust yourself in my experience. Like this was, it was a lot, but I knew like, I had to try something else. And, and the one thing I hadn't done thus far was like listen and do what I truly wanted to do. You know, I was trying to get expert advice from the experts, but this is what I wanted to do. So I made the decision and this is what's so mind blowing. It's like, I feel like whenever I, in my life, I make decisions from that place of like soul, from, in, from like my intuition, from my heart, 
the, I knew I, in my head, I'm like, okay, within two weeks, the perfect journey is going to come right to me. So five days later, I hop on the phone with a buddy who I know he had a group he journeyed with. And he's like, we have a journey coming up in two weeks. There's like one or two or like three spots left. He's like, I want you there. And the cool thing was I'd actually met the shaman um, at, at this event of a, like a sound bath I went to like many months earlier. And I also just want to put a click, quick note is I'm not going to be mentioning any names or identifying details to keep the privacy and anonymity of, I think that's how you say that word, <laughs> of uh, the shaman as well as all the attendees there. But anyways, my buddy was like, I want you there. And so A, I felt safe knowing he'd be there. Um, I knew probably just like a handful of the people that'd be going. And the shaman, um, I had met her actually before. So that was obviously a nice thing. And he gave me her number and I called her. But the the reason I'm saying this is like when we, there's that uh, quote I love from the alchemist. And he says, when you make a decision, the universe, the universe conspires to make it happen. And for me, I think that when we make a decision from that place of truth, from that place of intention and integrity, the universe sure as heck inspire, conspires to make it happen. So that was cool to like literally have something pop in my lap and only two hours away in Idlewild from where I live in San Diego. So didn't have to hop on a plane to Peru or anything, which would kind of be a thing with COVID anyways. Um, I, that was like what I had initially wanted to do was go to Peru and do like a multiple journeys. But like, you know, there's a time and a place and also just how tired I get with my health. It was not the best decision. Um, it didn't feel like the right decision. So this was perfect. Now let's get to the actual ceremony. So going in, um, my mindset, like, of course, my intention was to heal, but I had learned a pretty important lesson from when I went to the Joe Dispenza retreat back in February where, and again, I was like aware of going in, like not wanting to put this expectation that the event would heal me. I went to Joe Dispenza after having done his meditations every morning for two months, which were like an hour long and like doing the work. And I was in a lot of pain back then too. So I went to the Dispenza retreat, played all out and you know, it is intense. You're going, you know, 16 hour days, you're waking up at three 30, meditating four and a half hours at like four in the morning. Like, and I'm, I cried there twice. I was in so much pain and just like, I remember asking them, like, I just want to be healed. And they're like, you know, people are coming there with cancer, Parkinson's, like everything you can think of to heal too. And they're like, you know, if, if everyone could just heal easily, everyone would do it. It's, it's not easy. But well, I'm sharing that is because that event, and then I got kind of sick after, um, obviously it's nothing to do with <laughs> Dr. Joe and his work, but my point is like, going in with that expectation. I didn't want to go with an expectation to be healed because then I'm setting myself up up to be let down. So I kind of learned that. So I was going in with the intention to be healed, but also like genuinely just wanting clarity into how this whole line dis-ease manifested, how I subconsciously let this in, which ties back to that note I made in the beginning of the concept uh, podcast where I really believe that all dis-ease and illness in the body um, comes from an energetic pattern, which is typically tied to an emotion or emotional trauma. So I wanted clarity into like how this came from like a mindset perspective. So then obviously I could learn and, and learn from it and make a shift. And then the third thing was acceptance. Um, if this is going to be my life for a while, how can I um, relax deeper into it? How can I accept it and stop fighting from it? Because that's something I have not done a very good job of, even though it may sound like on the outside. Um, which I'll get into in a minute. So, okay, we get here and like, I'm nervous guys. Like, again, I've done peyote twice. I've done 
some heavier psychedelic journeys, I'm just nervous. Like, I don't know what, like, I think I was more nervous than I realized and I get there and there, there was a large group. There was the shaman, there was two musicians and two helpers, including one of my buddies who invited me there. So they're like the guides and, and they're all drinking it too, by the way. And then there was 20 or 20 or 21 of us. So in total, there was 26 people, which we found out later, 13 guys, 13 girls, which is kind of crazy uh, if you want to get into the spiritual significance of numbers, but we're not going to do that now. <laughs> so um, also one of the things and I learned this about myself as we started, and I kind of knew this before, but like I get nervous, um, and maybe everyone would, would be feeling the way I do to an extent, but like to about to go so deep into an experience I've never had before, and I knew out of the 26 people, I probably knew four or five people, and then maybe a, a few of the other people I'd like heard of, and there was also a little bit of like, this was a group of some pretty powerful, amazing, incredible people, and I tried to like not know who was coming because I didn't want to like have any ego or like putting anyone on the pedestal or whatever. Um, but there were just some like cool people that I looked up to and I've listened to some of their uh, podcasts and, um, you know, some like pro athletes and things. So I say that because it's like going in, there was a part of me that was like, um, you know, the part of me that wants to fit into the tribe and people please like, oh, I better not, you know, do anything crazy. Um, or like I'm, again, this ties into the fear of letting go, which I'm about to get into. So anyways, um, uh, we do a little bit of breath work and just kind of get seated and I'm sitting next to a, a buddy on my left who I knew and a, a new guy on the right, um, who I didn't know and now we're soul fam. <laughs> but you know, that first day you're like, we're sitting in this big room and we do some breath work and everyone's gone and got their cozy set up with their, you know, yoga mat and like a comfy chair and pillows and like a little mat to lie down. And we're all pretty close to each other lying in this big room. Um, and yeah, and then we're, and then there's like a, two of the musicians have a bunch of instruments. Like it was pretty beautiful and, and how important sound is, which we'll get into. But okay, so, so she passes out the cup and I actually didn't think it tasted that bad. And it wasn't a lot to drink. Um, I think I was gypped from the two times I've done peyote. I thought peyote was 10 times more disgusting and nauseating. So it was kind of like this bitter, but like also sweet in a weird way, little drink in it. Like, you know, those little like Q-tip cups. I don't even know if that Dixie cups, that's the word for it. Like it was probably like maybe a third or a half of a Dixie cup. So it wasn't even that much. So we take it and then we started with like 15 minutes of silence and I had my blindfold on. I'm just going to take a quick sip of coffee here real quick. I had my blindfold on. And then it starts to kick like oddly um, similar to like a psilocybin journey where like I kind of kept seeing all these eyes. And then after about 15 minutes of silence, the musician started playing. And why I'm saying the musician is so important is like sound vibration like dictates and sets the entire experience. Like um, and we'll get it. I'll get into that in a little bit, but it really does guide and play such a significant role in the journey. So. We start and then pretty soon going and like my eyes are pretty much shut for most of this journey and I've kind of learned this about myself when I go really deep into a plant medicine or psychedelic experience and I think especially with my health and that's another thing too real quick like I was nervous about my health I had headaches going into it like I was trying to be do calm but like I also felt a little nervous because everyone shared their intention before we started too and I was the only dude there or gal too, but like I was the only person there who was there to heal from something um, physically. So there was a part of me that was like nervous because I'm like, damn, like 
what if I get really tired or like sick? You know, there was that part of me too. But anyways, we start and this dude, two to my left, starts to purge. And, and again, I don't have a concept of time at this point, but this was somewhat earlier in the beginning. And I thought purging just meant throwing up. Like you might've heard, oh, purge, right? And it, technically purge can be, you know, sweating or, or going out the other end, um, pooping or whatever, anything where like it gets out of your body. But I'm talking like this dude's purging from throw up was like, it wasn't like, yes, it was literal throw up, but it was. So, you know, I'm on the substance. Everyone's tapped into this energetic field. You can, like, feel things. Like, you know you know when you walk into a room and you can, like, feel the energy in the room? Like, if you ever walked into a room and it's, like, really tense and awkward, you're like, oh, what I just walk into? Like, imagine that ability that you have to, like, sense people and things times a million. <laughs> like, you can – it's it's kind of strange in a way where you can basically tap into any person in the room and almost, like, feel what they're feeling. Um, so, homeboy at homeboy, two to my left – and I didn't know him before this, starts purging. And like, it is straight up, I don't know how else to say it. It is trauma leaving his body. Like this sounds like emotional trauma and baggage. Like it sounds like this, if you've ever seen Stranger Things, like one of those cyborg things, like making that gross dinosaur sound, like literally traveling up his stomach and coming out of his mouth into his bucket, which we all have little buckets to, to throw up in if we needed. And I'm sitting there with my eyes closed. I'm just like sending this dude love. Like you can feel the release. Like it was beautiful, but also kind of like, like you're getting chills because you can feel the release and also like the nausea. Um, so that was, that was quite fascinating. And so, so the journey's kind of getting going now. I'm starting to feel it and I'm just like nervous guys. I'm scared to let go. I'm pretty in my head. I'm, I'm literally like worried um, again, it, it all comes back to surrendering control, which I wasn't doing. Like I literally was worried I was going to shit my pants. I was extremely nauseous pretty early on, like intense nausea, worried I'm going to poop my pants or if I do throw up, I'm going to miss the bucket. Like these are all basically fears of like not wanting to embarrass myself from, from, uh, in front of the group of people. So I have this kind of fear of letting go. And now I'm starting to go like deeper into the experience. And what was so fascinating was like, how I could see the direct correlation from my fear of letting go to the pathway of my healing. And what I mean by that, so I'm going to try and explain this as best as I can. So I'm listening. So one of the, one of the musicians is literally a goddess. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Her voice was like the most angelic thing. Like I play her music on Spotify today and it gives me chills and she's playing these beautiful instruments. But what happens is like, the sound when you're you, you know you're on this you're you're tripping I'm, I don't want to use a better word but you're tripping your face off and um, you hear this music and it's like you can feel in your body and in your mind like the note that octane that frequency of each sound that's coming out of her voice or the instrument like has a resonant frequency that like hits your body and then in your body it evokes this emotion and in that emotion it evokes like a memory from my childhood or something weird and I'm like what. Like it, it was so wild and beautiful and profound, but why I'm saying that is it was evoking certain emotions in me that I was scared to feel. And I can't even like label the emotion. I'm, I'm really trying to do my best to explain something that just quite honestly can't be explained in words. Like I'm, this entire podcast, I'm doing my best, but like I was scared to feel and let certain things come up. Um, 
I don't know if it was a sphere of what I would find or if they were somewhat painful or just a pattern. You know, we were habitual humans, but I could just see myself so um, in this like controlling mode of just scared to see what would come up. And to be honest, it's another thing that another um, interesting thing was like I I asked the IO like you can literally have conversations with the medicine or the IO like. And I don't know if this is just because it opens up um, portals or blockways into our subconscious mind, if this is our soul, or if this is something completely else. But to me, that's what it felt like. So I asked the eye, I'm like, yo, how did I, how did I create this? How did I manifest this? And it said, you already know. <laughs> and I'm like, damn. So, and, and, and what, I, what I pick up from that is, and I don't know exactly where this comes from, but my whole life, like in those who know me, especially my parents, I've always had this kind of pattern, this way of being that's driven things. So people who know me, they could see I'm really driven. You know, I was like a good student, dean's list in college for, before I dropped out. Like always got good grades, et cetera. But so much, and even when in soccer and I was like six years old playing competitive, like I, I, I would get almost like panic. I literally would have like sometimes panic attacks before games of this fear of fucking up. And I, I've had it my whole life. And why I say that is... This pattern, you know, drove me um, and even in the business world of like fear of messing up, fear of losing or, or making a mistake, like just having to be perfect. And what if it all goes? So I, I don't know exactly where this fear is, but if you understand that pattern, like over time, it, it does. And, and, you know, like also with ayahuasca, like this stuff is like ancestral, like um and I think there's more research coming out about this, but how we do to an extent, like we have the DNA, I mean, we have the DNA of our parents and their parents and parents, parents. And like, I know on my dad's lineage, you know, my dad's, my grandfather was uh, escaped the Holocaust when he was six. Like his father was beaten by the Gestapo. His grandparents were killed in the Holocaust. So when, when I'm, and again, I don't know if this is true, but like, I'm just making correlation. Like there was quite literally a energetic fear on my father's lineage of like, if you fuck up, you're going to die. And so that was like in my dad's journey too, in his life, you know, he had a lot of pressure to be a doctor from his father because in Nazi Germany, if you're a doctor and you're Jewish, which we're Jewish, like you could potentially survive because, you know, they might not kill you if you're a doctor because you could be of value. So I'm explaining that. Does that have to do with the pattern that I've had my whole life? I don't know. But that pattern over time, and I've read about this in like health books, like chronic chronic illness is basically, you know, in epigenetics, we basically have genes that have like on off switches. So if you're continually, if that pattern continually brought me into a state of sympathetic stress, then over time, if the body can handle acute stress, but it has to go back to homeostasis. And if it keeps putting pressure in like that kind of adrenaline fight or flight mode over time, that opens the body up to more illness. So that's a theory I have, but it, it was interesting to me to get that feedback of like, oh, you know, and what was also really fascinating was like, I was the first like night in this trip, like I'm not having the best experience where like in the sense of I'm just, I'm like literally holding on so tightly and like not comfortable. And I consciously knew what to do. I consciously kept telling myself, let go, let go, let go. And this is what's so fascinating about life you know, we hear these cliches. I live in fucking Encinitas where every other sentence is surrender, let go, surrender into it, right? What does that even mean? <laughs> like, what does that mean? And I, I know what it means for me now, which I'll share soon. But I, I share that just to explain, like, I 
couldn't let go. Like I was just holding on. And what was so fascinating to me, it was like I was trying so hard, guys. I was trying so hard to let go. And it was just like this kind of interesting parallel into how I've been going about my healing in real life, in in the physical, which is like, you know, doing everything I possibly can from, you know, diets to uh, sauna, coffee enemas, like mushroom journeys, um, not eating certain foods, herbal protocols, RX protocols, like and mindset works, like meditation, like going to bed at like nine, like not watching any electronics, unplugging my Wi-Fi at night. Like, but there was the the other part of me that I hadn't been letting go is that part of me that's like the anxiety, you know, like the angst of <sighs> I've done everything I can now let go and let God. And that's the part that I had been missing. And I, and I realized that as I was trying so hard in this part of the journey. So Another really interesting thing that came up was there's a song by Trevor Hall and it's called You Can't Rush Your Healing. And I heard this song after, I heard it maybe once or twice before, but I heard the song after, like two days after my journey and I was like, oh my God, it spoke so much to me. But I had that insight of saying like, you're not, it literally was like, you're not ready to heal yet. And had someone told me that a week or two before the journey, the Aya journey, after I'd been on this health you know, journey for a year now, I would have been like, you're fucking crazy. Pardon my French. I keep saying F-bombs, but we're here now. (laughs) But I'd be like, what do you mean? I'm not ready. Like, I'm ready. Trust me. That's the thing, though, is like, it doesn't make sense on this conscious, like, 3D plane. But when I was on deep in the journey, like, I feel like I was tapped into this, like, right, like, 95% of our thoughts and thinking and all the things are subconscious. So, I don't know, again, if it's the subconscious or the soul, but this stuff runs deep. And it was like, you're not ready to be healed yet until, and this is where I said the correlation with letting go. I kind of was understanding like my willingness and ability to let go is a direct correlation to my healing path. And in a way, like you would think that'd be triggering to find out like, oh, I'm not ready to be healed. Like what the heck? But it actually has been kind of quite the opposite where I'm like, oh, like, yes, I'm doing all the things I can on the physical plane to heal, like, and even today, and I'll get into what I'm doing now, but I'm on an herbal protocol, and I just started, like, an antibiotic and, like, other things, so I'm still doing the work on the physical plane, but on the other part of me, on my brain, I can just, like, relax, because on some level, on some soul karmic contract, or I don't know, like, I know that might be out there for some of you, but this is just going to heal in the timeline that it's going to heal, and, like, I can't rush my healing, And there's this line in um, Trevor Hall's song. He goes, the more you're pushing, the more it pushes you back. And that literally has so much truth to what I've experienced in my health journey of like trying so hard, pushing, pushing. And, you know, again, it's what's what's the opposite of that coin is surrender and letting go. So after kind of the first journey um, we're kind of winding down and there was a lot of other experiences. I did have a really cool visit from my, my grandfather who's actually still alive. I mean, he's been um, going, th- he's really just been going through it, um, going through leukemia. And, you know, I've come to terms with like he might pass soon. And I've told him how I felt about him. I wrote him a letter, how much he means to me. I've called him. Um, and yeah, but like there was always, I guess, this part of me that didn't feel 
um, complete, I guess, if that makes sense. And so he, I like, this doesn't make sense, but it was like the music was playing and it's almost like I smelled his spirit. I don't know if that like makes any sense, but I like smelled it. And then he, he just like came. And again, if you haven't done this experience, I know this might sound weird, but like in this like realm of spirit or whatever, it's like you could feel him there. And I was like telling him and I could feel his like love for me. It was so beautiful. And I was just like, I love you so much. And you've taught me so much. And he's like someone in my family I've always looked up to. He's provided, he's come from nothing, like built this foundation, given opportunity to me and my sisters and like so many things. And I was like, I just sometimes worry that I didn't learn what I'm supposed to learn from you or like, and it was like this, it was like this like mutual acknowledgement of love. He's like, you've, you've done amazing. Um, you've learned what you need to learn. Like now it's time to carry on the torch and honor your path. And it was like, and then he just like disappeared. But it was like, <laughs> I'm trying, uh, there's no words for this. I know that even sounds weird, but it was like so beautiful. Um, and yeah, so then it's like at the end, as and as the like the deeper in the eye I was from my health perspective, like I was having pounding headaches and all my symptoms, but because I was like tripping so deep, it almost like wasn't um I could kind of like ignore or like um transcend my physical pain, but as the the eye started to wear off, my pain started to come back. And with my stuff, like I can't push too much. I can't do too much activity or else I get like a gnarly crash. So we'd probably been journeying, I don't know, like five, six hours. And then, you know, the shaman ends the ceremony. And just because she like ended the ceremony doesn't mean like, you know, we're all, a lot of us are still sitting in the room and like still in our experience very much. It's not like, oh, it's over. You're all sober now. Like, <laughs> no. Um, and I'm just feeling so fed up because this entire journey I've been holding on. I have so much pain and despair and I'm like physically in pain and I'm like, and all my shit's running through my head. I'm like, none of these people have any idea how much pain I'm in. Like, you know, I, there's that ego component of like wanting to fit in, but like being, having been scared to let go. And I'm like, I came all the way here. I really thought this thing was going to help me. And then all of a sudden this, like I, I, a buddy reflected that this song called good days and bad days was playing. And it was like, Sundays are good days. There are bad days. <laughs> and I guess, um, the music just hit me and I turned over and just started uncontrollably like deep belly sobbing. Um, and it was like, it felt <sighs> so good. Um, and it was like, I've probably had one cry about like that in my life. It was just all the pain of holding on in of the last year and probably longer of just trying so hard to heal. Like I've been logically... And I think this is with a lot of people, probably especially men too, going through healing stuff is like you're always Googling things on the internet or like like the pain drives you to try and understand it logically. And and this is like you sometimes you can't understand these things logically, but why I'm saying that is I don't allow myself the time to actually feel the despair and the hopelessness and the pain and the sadness and the anger that this whole experience has had because I'm always trying to figure out the next play, figure out the next move, that monkey mind running. And so it was this cathartic release and it was so beautiful and I felt so much love from everyone else like afterwards and even during it, like I could just feel people showering me with love and, um, you know, it's because I think they could like feel that release too. And so that was, that was beautiful because it, again, it comes back to this theme of holding on and I finally got to have that let go and maybe it wasn't a purge from vomit um, to the extent that I would have maybe liked to consciously I would have loved to throw up because it would have eased the 
um, the nausea earlier on. And also like, I really think it was related to trauma that could have exited my body. But anyways, the crying was so beautiful. Oh, and, um, you know, and then we kind of wrapped and, and that night we had like a dinner to break the fast and, um, you know, just like Brussels sprouts and soup and, and things that, you know, were on the ayahuasca diet. Cause you know, we had a, we fasted most of the day beforehand. And so then, um, let me see that. Oh, also one other interesting point from the first night, I, I have some notes here that I've been, um, that I wanted to talk about, but I did feel this love from uh, a lady in my life who, um, you know, she's a friend and it did progress a little bit. Um, but now we're both back to just being super good friends. And it was interesting cause I felt her love and like, you can feel people in your life. Like I had my family come up and other friends too, but it was fascinating cause I felt her love and it was so beautiful. And then it also reminded me that, um, the, for me, the note that came through is like the love that we receive is a reflection of the love that we're open and willing to receive. If that makes sense. So the love we get in life is a reflection of the openness and willingness that I'm willing to receive and open to receiving in my life. So that was kind of a, an interesting thing that came through. I'm going to take a 10 second break, sip my coffee <laughs> and take a break because what I'm about to get into is the second part, the second journey where, wow. <laughs> so here we go. Cool. So the beautiful thing is, and so I should have maybe done an explanation, but the journey, we had two nights where we were going to sit with Aya on back-to-back nights, a Saturday night and a Sunday night. So after that first night and in the morning of the next day, what's so beautiful is you get to share and talk about your experience with everyone else there. And I think this is a huge and really important piece because I learned a lot from hearing other people share and also learned a lot from sharing my experiences and having people's insights and reflection and feedback back to me. So one of the key lessons I learned from that first night was like, okay, the first night I was kind of getting used to, I'm like, okay, so that's what I was like, right? Um, and then the second part, I'm like, I knew exactly what not to do, which is holding on so tight. And I talked with one of the the guys there who I just felt really drawn towards and, and connected with. And um, funny enough, I think he was a pro surfer. So the advice coming from him was really, um, it hit home, but he was like, just ride the wave when the pain or whatever, the discomfort, you know, just let it happen. Just ride it. Just ride the wave. Like, let go and let God. Let go, let flow. If that, if this is kind of, I'm trying to just explain what it meant. But I just remember him saying that and that like really clicked with me. And then that gentleman I mentioned um, in the beginning who started purging two to my left, let's call him um, Joe. This is not his real name in real life, by the way. But um, he... Uh, he his intention was like just to surrender and that first night and mine was like healing and clarity and all these things and I'm like all right I'm gonna abandon those things all I want to do this second night is just to feel because I I was really inspired by this dude because he played full out like he let himself go to all the places and you know like when you're in a group setting whether it's a medicine journey or something completely else or like a workshop or like there's always that one person who, who's a leader, who, who's the vulnerable person who's willing to go first. And that was this guy. We're calling him Joe for, for anonymity. But, um, and I talked with him too, and he inspired me. I'm like, dude, this night I just want to, like, I want to be like Joe and just, like, let whatever is going to happen, happen. So that was kind of my intention going into the second night. And, all right, so here we go. So um, we, we actually did a little bit of a microdose of the Aya 
did like an hour and a half of yoga and breath work and just like getting our bodies primed. And then it was round two. And it's like, you know, again, I'm tired um, physically, you know, with the Lyme stuff too. It was a lot for me. But here we are. I signed up for this. I'm ready to go. So, and also one note is like that first night, I think for a lot of people and like you can feel the collective experience. It was like a very like intense journey like the even so like some of the nerves and anxiety and the, and the intensity of my experience seemed to be quite true for a lot of the people in that group and of course there are people who had blissful cosmic journeys um, and people who had darker journeys than mine and everything in between but there was kind of that collective theme to that first night and so the second night we take it and overall like the first half was like super blissful um and I was like really proud of myself I thought I did a really good job of letting go like I was just riding the wave and it was really blissful and gentle and soft and I was like tired to a level that was like honestly humbling like I couldn't even move my body I you know I'm getting hot and cold sweats like so you're experiencing DMT like you know this is the most powerful hallucinogenic known to man right and so that's what the ayahuasca elicits and with that comes a lot of intense like physiological side effects of like hot and cold sweats and like pounding headaches and you know I think it can be different for everyone else but I was like sweating hot and cold and just like so weak like I felt so weak um in a way it was beautiful but it was like I just had to again surrender to the like the softness that it was um waving upon me and so you know I'm having a blissful journey but it's still like you know it's intense um (laughs) and a lot and then the, the shaman and uh, halfway through goes or maybe a few hours in is like okay like um, for anyone who wants we're offering the second cup which I did do the first night I did the second cup um, I think most people did but then second night so the <laughs> she offers a second cup and I'm like okay part of me is like you know what maybe I've gotten what I needed here I'm freaking tired I'm exhausted um, this has been blissful and gentle but then the, the other part of me is like dude you're here like there's deeper to go you know, here's your opportunity. And so I'm in my head, guys, like, and I'm, I can't tell you, like, you're, like, you're about to drink this medicine that's kind of like, in a way, poison at the same time, where it, like, you know, it's having this whole reaction in your body, like, you're nauseous, like, you do not want to drink it at this point. You're like, Ugh, like, you'll shudder just thinking about it. So I'm like, all right, I'm, I ask my intuition, I'm like, should I do this? And I get an immediate yes, right after followed by a no. But like, the first thing I heard was yes. I'm like, all right, I'm doing it. So I go up to her and I'm like so nervous guys. I literally almost turned around to like go back to my seat. I'm like, oh, maybe this isn't a good idea. And like, I was like looking at the Sean. I'm like, maybe she can like feel my um, awkwardness or like hesitation, which is really funny because my buddy to my left was like watching this whole interaction happen and he shared a pretty funny reflection. Like he saw me literally almost turn away and go back. But what he said is he noticed the shaman looking at me, not so much of like seeing if I was hesitant or like doubting if I should take it, but he, he, his reflection was she was pouring her intention into my cup so like what does this guy need and um so here we go I take the second cup and here is where the lessons really start flowing in so I'm starting to have these like so those of you who've been following my health journey one of my main symptoms is like I have basically pressure tension and headaches 24 7 and they escalate throughout the day Um, where it can feel like pounding headaches to like a level 10 of pain to like now when I'm recording and it's like, you know, eight in the morning on a Saturday, I feel pretty good in this moment. So it's probably like a one or two, but 
I was getting like pounding headaches in my head. And now I'm on the second cup and I'm deep in the medicine. And I keep thinking about what this guy told me um, in the group of just ride the wave, this mantra of ride the wave and feel. So feel was my intention, but this mantra of ride the wave. So like what happened is I'm like feeling this like intense pulsing headache in my head. So I'm like, okay, okay, just allow it to happen. And then, and this this kept happening, like this, what I'm about to say kept happening in, in an iteration of it. I would feel this intense like pounding pain in my headache and then I would surrender into it. And all of a sudden, I would feel the medicine like vibrate my entire face and it would start like, and then I would feel this extreme like euphoric bliss. It would start doing like healings on me. Like um, if you've ever heard of tetany, it's like a tightening, a sensation of like an energetic release. I was getting tetany. Um, I was doing like facial healings. I had this like spinal healing. And what was so profound is I kept having these experiences from embracing the pain. So like this this new um kind of mantras come into my life as like pain is the portal each time I would get uncomfortable or nauseous or these pounding headaches like and I'm talking like fever like headaches guys like if you've ever had a flu like it was intense but I would just relax into it it was so beautiful it would just like you know there's no words for it but it was you know it would hurt and then it would just like take me on this journey and it was so beautiful and I'm starting to just like bliss out I'm like wow this is so special and then all of a sudden, I think it happened through this, um, the same exact experience of like headache. I have the most profound euphoric blissful experience of, of my life. And there's nothing that even comes close to how beautiful this is. So if you've, if you've read any um, like yogic texts or books like Autobiography of the Yogi or you've been in the personal development or spirituality world, like you've probably heard of a oneness, right? This idea that we're not separate, that everyone is one. And I've always like read that and believed that and be like, oh yeah, that's beautiful. We're all one. Like love yourself like you love thy, thy neighbor, et cetera, et cetera. But like what does that mean? Like we're all one, right? And so then the yogis also say that we're living in Maya or the illusion, the illusion that we're separate, which is basically the flip side of the opposite of oneness is that there's this illusion that we're separate from each other, right? So it's this spiritual concept that like I be- I've believed in, but you know, didn't really have an embodied experience. So all of a sudden I just feel like my body dissolved. Like I don't know how else to say it. And you're sitting in these positions, right? Like for hours. And I don't know about you guys, I can't sit cross-legged very comfortably for more than like 30 minutes, let alone six hours. So, but like what was so beautiful about this concept of like surrendering and embracing the pain and riding the waves, like every time I would feel the discomfort, instead of, I would catch my mind going into the story of like, oh, you're uncomfortable. Oh, like starting to worry. And I would just go back feel. I kept going back into my body and then that pain or discomfort would dissolve. It was like, I can't even explain how profound that realization was. It's just like getting out of the head and into the body. And so, yeah, my body like literally dissolved. Like it feels like I'm literally light. I'm air. Like I'm this golden light air. And then all of a sudden, ah, there's like no words to describe this, but all I can, the best words I'll use is like this golden gooey oneness. Like literally my body you know, my eyes are closed, I'm inwards. And it's like, there's literally no separation between myself and anything like physical matter and energy. Like I could see how it's all just one. And like the consciousness, you know, if you are a person who believes in God or Jesus or Allah or whatever your, you know, thing or for me, it's like this like consciousness 
it permeates and is everything. And, and then like this microscopic level, like that is what fills the density and space of matter and these physical objects in our physical bodies. But at its most like quantum level, it is just this like beautiful, breathing, loving, intelligent consciousness that just is and permeates everything in it. And so it was like in this moment, I'm like literally feel like I'm this goo that is part and parcel of everything and everyone and, and everything that ever has been and everything that is and everything that will be. Um, and it was so beautiful. And I remember just feeling like on cloud 12, like blissing out and being like, wow, ayahuasca is like the greatest thing ever. Um, and, and what was so powerful too was like in this state of mind, I was just like, whatever. I don't even care. Like if this illness or whatever wants to hang out, cool, whatever. You want to be here for a little while, fine. And like saying that from a place of genuinely meaning it, of like so happy and content and peaceful and bliss that like I didn't care. And again, going back to this like Trevor Hall song, actually I'll say that for the end, but there is a part of it where he says, you know, darkness has its teaching, love is never leaving. And so for me, what was so beautiful is like, even amidst all the pain and suffering, all the things like this knowledge now that I can tap into this beautiful love and this oneness that is always here. And yeah, in this physical 3D reality, am I going to get to tap into that feeling all the time? No, but I can, can I remember it and anchor it and, and kind of get, you know, maybe little fractions of that experience? Of course. So that was beautiful. And, you know, I would love to be like the rest of my journey with sunshine and rainbows and this cosmic ride into the bliss, but was not the case. Um, as the eye started fading, and this is similar to what happened in night one, like, you know, I'm in a lot of physical pain and headaches. And so as it starts fading, I'm deeper out of the tripping, if you will, like I start getting back into my body and feeling the pain. And I'm starting to have a lot of my stuff come up because... You know, it, it, there was a pretty happy vibe. I think collectively a lot of people were having really gentle, beautiful, blissful experiences. And there was kind of like some singing going on and just people were feeling good. And I was like, okay. I, my intuition was like, dude, you got to get out of the room. Like I needed a break. I was tired. There's like 25 other people's energies that are I'm feeling. And I'm just like, okay, I I need a break. I'm tired. Um, but, you know, no one else had done that. My stuff's kind of coming up. And, then, and now I'm like, why am I the only one here who's like not feeling happy? Um, I'm like, and there's this part of me that just wants to be understood, right? Like, I think this is like something that I noticed both nights um, and maybe the uncomfortable, you know, especially night one of not knowing anyone. But night two, you know, I felt pretty comfortable with everyone. Like you go through that intense experience, you kind of bond and become brothers and sisters. And, you know, but there's, there's still this part of me that just like, felt like no one could understand the amount of pain I was in. And I don't know why I wanted to be understood. Maybe it's because I wanted to cry or like release, but I was scared to release. I think that's probably part of it, but I'm just holding on for the next like hour, hour and a half. People are like singing and stuff and, and I'm just in pain and I want it to end. I'm like, I'm frustrated and I'm, and then, and then like, and I'm just getting in my head. Like I'm no longer able to just ride the wave and feel like at this point it's just not working and I'm just frustrated and tired and cranky and um finally like the ceremony ends and i'm still in pain and um my buddy the one who invited me and he was one of the guides and just you know holding space for everyone to make sure they're okay um i kind of like signaled to him energetically i was like yo i'm not okay and then he like came over and i was like hey like can you help me out and so he like lifts me up and it's like almost kind of hard to walk <laughs> 
And uh, I walk out of the room. I literally make it out of the room, and I just collapsed into him. Like, my whole body went limp. And again, same thing as the first night. I just started bawling, like, holding on to so much pain. And, And I don't know if it's, like, a fear for me to express my emotions in front of other people or, like, what it is or, like, the shame of feeling the way I was feeling. Um, but man, I just collapsed into him. And then one of the other helpers came and they were just like, and then the shaman came later and just to make sure I was okay. Um, but it was a lot and it was intense and it, you know, (laughs) I had the most blissful euphoric experience of my life. Like nothing even comes close to what I experienced. And then a lot of pain and shame and in my head. And uh, (laughs) so I got the full gamut, but so that was kind of the, the gist of my two nights experience. And now I'll just spend a few minutes, um, talking about, kind of the integration and and what I learned. And so the next week I took a week off from work and my boss is the absolute man. And I told him I was doing ayahuasca, which is cool. Um, And he was super, he's so supportive of my healing and uh, I feel really grateful to have him. And, um, you know, just to be aligned with a person and company who just like values my health and happiness. I think that's pretty special. So I took that next week off. I was quite tired yet also like so happy. Um, And, like I think one of the key takeaways from that second night or like the dichotomy from my first night to the second night is the first night I held on, didn't let go. The second night I learned how to let go. And now, you know, I'm a month away from that experience and I just feel this sense of peace. Um, I feel okay. Like, don't get me wrong. I have my days, my moments where I'm in pain, but like pretty much the last month, every day when my pain comes and my headaches, I'm just riding the wave and I know it's going to leave and like I said, I'm not perfect. I've had a few days where I'm trying to resist it. But overall, I've done such a good job. I feel at peace because also like when you're deep in that ayahuasca experience, like I had insights into my healing of like I'm karmically supposed to learn something. I'm learning something from this whole experience as painful and unpleasant and hopeless as it can feel at times. Like I now just like know that there's a greater, there's a greater play going on here something that I can't even see but I can understand it in some microscopic way and that my healing is going to take the time that my healing needs and so I, I would love to real quick talk about four lines from that Trevor Hall song which to me really summed up my journey so that first line and they literally all follow each other he goes the more that you're pushing the more that it's pushing you back and I touched on this but really it's this concept of like when you're resisting what is, the more you resist, the more it persists. I think that's the, the essence of it. And so then that kind of, you know, was a reflection of my healing of like trying so hard, pushing, pushing, pushing to heal. And when I'm in that state of trying to, like you have to understand what that's like in my body. When I'm already tired and exhausted and in pain, trying and pushing is not relaxing, guys. It's in that, you know, fight or flight, trying to figure out mode. And that is not helping my body to heal. The body heals, and I've read about this from so many people, from Joe Dispenza to this author, David Hawkins, who writes on consciousness, and I'm reading his book, Letting Go. The body heals when you're in a, in a state of acceptance and peace and gratitude because that's where you're, you know, that's A, the parasympathetic state, and B, it's like that's where the, the you know, I'm going to be a little spiritual here, but like, you know, when I had those blissful moments on the ayahuasca, it happened when I had no expectation. I wasn't thinking. I was just allowing, allowing that universal love and intelligent love and loving intelligence to flow through me when I could still my body enough to a place of allowance. And so, you know, I knew what not to do from that first night. You know, the more it pushes, the more it pushes you pack. Second line, you can't rush your healing. 
I understand like I'm doing everything I, I saw. Um, you know, I actually did see a new doctor after this. I let go of this old doctor who, you know, to lack of better words, he's just a dick. Um, he, I don't feel like, ni- like he, I think he means well, but like, I don't want to be, I don't want to feel anxious about going to my damn doctor. Like you're supposed to be the one who's healing me and um, awful bedside manners. And I'm like, why? And, and the fear of leaving him was this fear that if I left him, I wouldn't be healed. Because he's like one of the best Lyme docs in San Diego, quote unquote. And it's like, and then I made the decision to leave him. And I saw this new naturopathic doc who's got immense experience. And she heard me and I, and I felt so much better. And I've already started with her and I feel so much better. But it's this lesson of like, we can choose who we want to surround ourselves with life. Whether that's your loving relationships, your friends, your work. Like, like I said, I'm working for this company and guy who's literally so supportive of my health. Who like knows I did ayahuasca. Like, I want to be around a doctor who like hears me and understands me and sees me. And that was another cool lesson of like that I've integrated is like, I only choose to align myself with people who are loving and positive and we're going to put energy into me, not take it out of me. Um, but yeah, that line that you can't rush your healing of understanding that this thing is going to take some time and that's okay. I can't rush it. So like, let me just lean in and do my best to just be open to the lessons I'm experiencing. Then he has another line that says, darkness has its teachings, which, oh, yes, it does. And as much as I'd love to get past its experience and, you know, from previous life experience, I've been through some shit and I know that like the pain and the darkness um, is the best teacher. You know, we learn from wins too, but it's the losses and the mistakes and the darkness that really has these profound insights into self that make life so beautiful and you know, to smell the roses and smell that extra whiff where maybe as before, you know, you're walking by not noticing the flowers. And then the last line I love, love is never leaving. And I think I shared this earlier, but, you know, even in the pain and, and amidst all that, I got to experience this uh, profound, loving, golden, gooey oneness. And that just to know, like, that's here. That's always here. It's around me. It's through me. It's in me. It's in all of us. And yeah, maybe I'm not able to access that on a daily basis on this conscious, sober state, but like to know that's there and to have that experience anchored is such a beautiful reminder. Um, So, you know, it's been a new, it's been a month and I just feel at peace. Um, I do think I will do more ayahuasca journeys because it did show me that there's more work to do here. Like I said, I, I wasn't able to feel certain things. I was scared to feel certain things, scared to go to certain places. And, you know, that's okay. I got what I was ready for. And I understand that. And I do feel like I need a break because it was a lot on my body and a lot to integrate. Um, but I do feel called to go back and do more journeying because I, I do think to some level there is that like energetic pattern or certain emotional traumas that maybe um, if I'm able to release, it can accelerate or, you know, lead the way to healing. And, um, yeah, I, I hope I covered everything. I mean, there was a lot. Um, but yeah, really, if I had to sum down the lesson into one thing, it'd just be surrender, letting go. Um, and now I have the embodied experience of what that means, you know, whether it's an emotion. Like recently, um, I felt this kind of rejection feeling from someone. I won't get into the details. And, uh, you know, I, I started, it's like even beyond health, it's just like I wanted to, uh, escape that feeling, right? And so I was starting to logically try and find solutions. Oh, I should do this or that, or should I do this? And then my buddy reminded me, he's like, dude, sit with that feeling. 
And I did. And I sat with it and I just surrendered to that feeling. I felt it. Every time I catch my mind starting to go, I just feel that pit in my stomach. Just feel that. And then here I am, like, and that feeling has completely transmuted. Um, so this lesson of letting go and surrender has has already influenced my life. And I know it's my path forward. My path to healing is surrender, letting go, and letting God. So <laughs> that was a lot. Um, in terms of the podcast, you know, this is the first episode I've recorded in about three months. I just haven't had the energy to do it. Um, it's been hard because I'm working now too. And so work takes a lot out of me and, you know, I get to pay my bills and that's important. Um, the podcast is such a passion of mine and I know I'm going to get back to it. And I've also had to learn with like my rigidity and personality. Like I can't commit to every week. I just can't do that because, um, my body and health like it's just I don't want to commit to something that's going to cause me stress so I would like to get back to the podcast I have a couple amazing people I'd like to interview so you can look at you can um, tune into that and if you're not following me on Instagram I've been posting kind of like little snippets of my lessons on Instagram TV so that'd probably be a good place in the interim but anyways blessings and blessings and all the things fam appreciate you listening if you're listening this far Um, much love and here's to the journey